Ready, set, go! Welcome to the EV Diaries. This is the place where we explore EVs in small town America. I am Ben. I am an engineer with a distribution cooperative in southeastern Kentucky. I don't always say that, but the cooperative is where I discovered EVs and their potential in small town America. Now, as a disclaimer, again, these are my opinions. I'm going to be talking about an NRECA study, which is the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association. Um, this is my take on it and doesn't reflect anyone's opinion but mine. So, the NRECA released a new study which was prepared by Ex Exergy, Exergy, Exergy Consulting. It's X-E-R-G-Y, Exergy. Um, it looked at two pilot programs uh, in South Carolina and in Delaware. Now we've talked about peak and why that's important to utilities. Long story short is electricity for the most part has to be consumed as it's generated. Certain times of the day it's at its lowest and that's typically overnight and we call that a base load. Certain times of the day it's at its highest and we call that a peak. Now, there's a variety of factors that go into it, but it's more expensive to generate electricity on peak than it is off peak. Utilities in this situation, they have two options. They can either charge more on peak or they can do things to make their peak less. And these look like uh, time of use rates or load control programs. And if you're on a cooperative, you may actually um, be familiar with these programs. What you do during these times contributes to the peak. It's better for a utility if you do your laundry, cook a turkey, or charge your EV late in the evening instead of 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the hottest day of the year. Sometimes utilities incentivize preferable behavior. Keep that in mind as we look at these studies. The first study is a GNT which is Generation and Transmission in South Carolina, and they worked with six of their member co-ops to install eight chargers. The charger they chose was the Siemens Versa Charge. Now, if you remember back to the Eau Claire Energy episode, I was really hard on the Siemens Charger because it was pretty much dumb box that you could do a delay. But apparently, Siemens has developed a smart version of the VersaCharge. It has an app where you can control it, uh, provides feedback, and it has load control capabilities, which makes it attractive to co-ops. I still think the 14-foot cord is still way too short, but that's my opinion. The EVs identified in this study were a Tesla Model 3, and a Model S. There was a Nissan Leaf, a Kia Soul EV, a Chevy Bolt, and a Mitsubishi Outlander, which is actually a plug-in electric hybrid. The other vehicles that were identified weren't identified, so break your head around that one. Anyway, 
the study was divided into three phases. The first phase, anything goes. Charge your car the way you wanted. And I believe that the... I don't have the dates right in front of me, and I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, but I think it was about a three-month phase. There was a second, which was a load control phase, which I believe ran from May to September. Anyway, the load control, they had two different versions of that. You could do a direct load control where the co-op would actually turn your charger on and off during peak times. And they had voluntary load control where they would send you a message on your phone saying, hey, we're expecting a peak. Please do not charge during 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock or whatever the time frame was. Um, and then they had a third phase, which was an overnight bump. And it was really uh, because all the co-ops set their own rates. There was no time abuse rate, but it was essentially, um, we're asking you to charge overnight. And overnight was defined in this study from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's another thing about this study. There were defined periods. Day was from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Peak was from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Evening was 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And overnight was 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. So the first phase was to establish a baseline. And the study found out that most people charged when they got home from the workday. 23% of the charging was on peak. Another 27 was in the evening, and 32% was overnight. In the second phase, they did five direct load control events. They did an additional 11 voluntary events. This showed a slight decrease in the peak and evening charging percentages. Peak dropped from 23% to 21%, and evening from 27% to 25%. Now, overnight, stayed the same at 32%. The direct load control, they estimate that it curtailed an average of 0.63 kilowatts per vehicle. But you've got to realize that the peak, which was 3 to 7 p.m., some of the cars were not charging. Some were. And that 0.63 kilowatts per vehicle... It's not really significant, but at least it allows for forecasting when EVs become more prevalent, and they will become more prevalent. The voluntary load control, during the 11 events, three participants charged once on peak, and one of them didn't change his behavior any way, shape, or form, and actually charged more than half the time on peak. The third phase which was the overnight request, you've got to realize there was no financial incentive and, to no one's surprise, or at least not to mine, there was no positive change in behavior. In fact, one participant went from a baseline of no overnight charging to 31% overnight charging when they were doing load control back to no overnight charging when he was just simply asked to do so. Some interesting side notes from this, the average participant used 120 kilowatt hours per month charging their vehicle. 
That is roughly, given the ranges of these cooperatives, an average of about $14 a month that went to the co-op per vehicle. The Tesla Model 3 owner drove an estimated 860 miles per month. So it's no surprise that they actually had the highest consumption of around 208 kilowatt hours a month. What surprised me is the Mitsubishi Highlander, which remember was a plug-in electric hybrid, had the second highest consumption at 160 kilowatt hours per month, but it went the fewest miles at approximately 290 kilowatt hours a month. The second study in Delaware, I didn't find as interesting. They took um, two battery electric vehicle owners and six plug-in electric hybrid owners and gave them a ChargePoint Home EVSE. They did load control, which either cut or reduced the power available during peak, and they did this all through the ChargePoint dashboard, which is the same dashboard I look at when monitoring our ChargePoint public chargers that we have on our system. On average, the eight vehicles consumed 270 kilowatt hours a month, which is much larger than the 120 in the other study. The Highlander, as I think about this, was 160 kilowatt hours per month at 290 miles. I wonder if because the study was so heavy in plug-in electric hybrids that that contributed to the increase. Either way, the co-op's making about $30 a month. Their study, they did a dual peaking system, which my cooperative in the winter is a dual peaking system. We will get a spike in the morning when everybody gets ready and during the day it will drop down. And then as everyone comes home in the evening and begins their activity until bedtime, we see another rise in usage. Getting back to this study though, they saw that in their morning peaking events that 63 to 80% of the cars were connected but not charged. This makes sense because most of the people probably charged overnight and they were done charging. So there was very little to any draw coming from the EVSEs. In the afternoon, they found that only 10 to 20% of the cars were charging. All in all, the estimate for the load control potential was about $2,300 per vehicle over a five-year span. As a result, Delaware Electric Cooperative now offers a $200 credit for EVSE installation and a $5 per month credit to participate in their load control program. They also found that most people were scheduling their charging through their car and not through the ChargePoint app. The rest of the report covers uh, things that co-ops should consider in developing an EVSE program and we won't go into that. My take is that co-ops are still trying to figure out all of this EV stuff. It's like that first awkward middle school dance where the boys are on one side of the room and the girls are on the other. Co-ops 
around big cities are learning quicker than small town America because there's more EVs in these population centers. So I guess as co-ops, small town America, we're the people at the dance that are a little bit shy, but we'll eventually get there. The apps, they're nice, but most people don't use them. Now, I use my Juicebox app almost daily, and this is my routine. What I will do is when I park the car for the evening, pull it into the garage, I see where my battery percentage is. Uh, then take the difference from where I want it to be, which is 80%. I do some really quick, rough math to figure out how much energy needs to go back into the battery to raise my percentage. I set my charge point app to deliver that much and then plug my car in. It gives me that control because otherwise there's no way inside the car to set the level of charging. I can set when it charges, but I cannot set to what level. And the apps are great for providing feedback for geeks like me. My third takeaway from all of this is changing behaviors is hard, even if you give people the tools and offer them money to do so. Some will do what you ask without any reward. Some are going to do what they want, whether you pay them or not. And to be honest, most just aren't paying attention. Hit that subscribe button. And remember, the EV revolution is here, and it's always a great ride.